Acts chapter 7. It's been a good morning. Praise the Lord for everything God's done. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. The Bible says, And he was, when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Let's go ahead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we love you. Lord, it's been good this morning to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, you have touched our hearts, Lord, with the presence of William. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for working in his heart, Lord, and for the health that you've given him to be here, God. And Lord, I thank you for the music, for the special singing, the testimonies, Lord. It's just been a good morning. And Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us now during this time, Lord, to help me as I preach. Lord, you know my nerves, you know my thoughts, Lord, you know where I'm, where I'm at right now, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would just forgive me of sin, that you would cleanse me, Lord, your servant. Help me to preach the word this morning, Father, nothing but your word. And I pray that you would just have your will and your way be done this morning, Father. I pray that you help our church, Lord, help us to grow in you, help us to find faith in you. And Lord, help us to forsake the things of this world and to look and cling only to you, Father. We love you. We pray all this in your Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. I want to kind of notice a, a, a passion of the scripture here. It says that when he was full 40 years old, look at this, it came into his heart to visit his brethren and children of Israel. It came into his heart. Now, if you don't know the story of Moses, Moses had an interesting upbringing. Um, we don't know exactly how old he was, but his mother raised him until he was weaned. If you don't know the story of Moses, I'll just give you a very brief introduction. At the, during the time, that time and day and age, Moses and all the children of Israel, they were not supposed to have any more boys. And so the thing was, they were supposed to have, if you were to have any boys, that they were going to be killed. And so Moses, his parents had to go and they had to hide him and make sure that no one saw the Egyptians, that they didn't see Moses when he was born. And uh, Moses would be put into the basket, would be carried down the water, only to be, have God's divine province over Moses to go into the, 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 the house of daughter, Pharaoh's daughter. And he would be nourished then by Pharaoh's daughter there. And he lived in the palace of Egypt and the the greatest place in the world at that point, for about the Bible says here, for about 40 years. And we learned that we, we, he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds, the Bible talks about. But something happened one day, and we don't know exactly what it was, but the Bible says it came into his heart to visit the children of Israel. You know that Moses was a child of Israel, but he was living in Egypt for 40 years of his life, and something came into his heart to say, I need to go visit my, my people, the children of Israel. Something came into his heart to say, you know what, there's something that's different. Something has happened. So I want, I want this morning... It's going to be a very long introduction, I feel like, and a very short sermon. So I, I'd like us to do this morning is kind of prepare the table for 
I have a four-point four sermon, very short. It'll take only but a minute. But I want us to get the picture and lay down the foundation of what is happening. The Bible says, it came into his heart. And what i like us to find out for a few minutes here is what is the it that came into his heart. Go now, if you would, to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. The first thing that it could have been, the thing that it came into his heart, was first of all a realization of the injustice of Pharaoh. Realization of the injustice of Pharaoh. The children of Israel were in bondage. They were the slaves to the people in Egypt. This is history. This is facts. This is what happened many, many years ago. And as the Israelites were in bondage, there was a lot of injustice happening as as slavery is. It's a terrible thing, is it not? And so in Exodus chapter 1, verse number 10, the Bible says, Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it came to pass that when they were fought without any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. So get them up out of the land. Therefore they just set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh the treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick. And all manner of service in the field and the services wherein they made them serve was with rigor. So you see here the tough life that the children of Israel had to go with being in bondage by the Egyptians. So no doubt... Moses must have heard about everything that was going on. He must have heard what was happening in the palaces. I do not think Moses was generally the cause of this, but obviously he is there, so he is guilty by association, right? By knowing and doing nothing. Look at Exodus 1, verse 22. He heard about the mass slaughtering. Exodus 1, 22 says, And Pharaoh charged all the people, saying, Every son that is born... You shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So the, the decree here by Pharaoh was that every son, because they're afraid that the children of Israel are going to build an army and mount up and attack the, children, uh, the people of Egypt. So Pharaoh, being the scared coward he is, says, I want every son to be killed. There is going to be no sons that will be born because we're afraid and every daughter can be alive so no doubt Moses had to hear about the mass slaughtering that was going on this is a terrible terrible time it's happening right now to the children of Israel so this could have been the thing that came into his heart secondly maybe it could have been a recognition of the infirmities of his people Exodus chapter 2 verse 11 Therefore they just set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built Pharaoh, treasure cities, Python, and Ramses. So Moses saw the abuse and the affliction firsthand. Maybe he had heard about it, but he hadn't seen it or didn't want to see it. But Moses finally saw it. 
And maybe that is what made the difference. It's a totally different subject, right, when you hear about something and you, just, you kind of just pass it on, as opposed to when you see it. That's when the realization sets in. I think one of the most maybe brutal, one of the worst things that's happened in recent history, you think about the Holocaust, right? How terrible and horrible that event was. And you hear about it, and it's one thing. But to those of you, myself, and I think Pastor Horry's been there, when you go to the Holocaust Museum, and you see the shoes, and you hear the stories, and when I was there as a kid, I got to meet some of the survivors firsthand as they were sitting there, it's a totally different realization that sets into your heart. Why? Because now you have seen it. You feel it. There's such a difference from hearing to seeing. It makes all the difference. The Bible talks about how my eyes affected my heart. And that's what makes the difference. Is when you see it. So maybe, if for Moses, it was the fact that now he saw what was happening. And he wanted to do something. Or... It could have been, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this, a remembrance of the instruction of his parents. Turn over to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. You have to think about it, that maybe it was something that was said or done in his early years that came back to him. For Moses to go back to the children of Israel and to make a difference. Something had to come back to him. Maybe it was the instruction of his parents. Proverbs 22, verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's an important verse to us all, is it not? That we need to train up our children the way they should go. So... Maybe there was something different about Moses' parents. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. There had to be something different about Moses' parents to do what they did. In Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith... Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So first of all, we see here, notice a couple of things. First of all, we notice the protection of his parents. Now his parents decided to protect him. They hid him three months before he would be then, they would go and cast him to the river. And so, they had to protect him and keep him secret. It's a a hard thing when you're having a child not to tell anybody about it. During this time, they were having this baby, and they had to keep it a secret. Even three months past the time that the baby was born. They had to protect, the parents had to protect Moses from the dangers of Egypt. There's a lot of dangers in Egypt. And just like for us, Egypt in the Bible is a picture for us of the world. And there's a lot of dangers in the world. There's a lot of things that we need to protect our children from. There's a lot of evil, a lot of wickedness that's being 
uh, paraded, being celebrated, that we as a Christian, we're supposed to have no part in, to be separate, to be different, to stand out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we have to hide our children from. Parents, you have a, a, a heavy obligation underneath you, the fact that you need to make sure that your children stay away from Egypt, stay away from the world, that they don't fall in love with the things of the world. Secondly, it could have been the perception of his parents. Notice here in verse, um, in verse number 23, it says, They saw he was a proper child. By the way, proper children deserve proper parents. The right kind of parents. So we need to raise our children to be godly. In order to, be, in order to train them to be godly, we as the parents have to be godly ourselves, right? It's hard to teach somebody to do right when we're not doing right ourselves. Rules for thee and not for me. We need to cut that out. So are we, are we raising our children, right, to say, hey, I want to not, I don't care about where your athletic potential is. I don't care about how smart you are, whether where you're at financially, politically, but we want to raise our children in the key aspect that they would be spiritual. That they would love God. That they wouldn't go and see the things of Egypt. So are you raising your sons to be spiritual? To be the future preachers, the future leaders of the church? Are you raising your daughters to be the wife of a man who's going to love God? That she would bless her home by her godliness. Proverbs 31 goes all to all details about that. How are we raising our children? We need to look at them and say, there is spiritual potential in what the blessing that God's given me. That I want to raise the next generation to live for God. Nothing else. I don't care where they're at athletically. I don't care where they're at in school. I, I, I put an importance on those things. But it's not nearly as important to where my children are going to be spiritually. I want them to love God more than Egypt. I want them to look at God and say, this God, this is far better than Egypt. Maybe it could have been the principles of his parents. The Bible says that they were not afraid of the king's commandment. They had the fear of God rather than the fear of the king. So where are we at? Do, who do we fear? Is it God or is it man? We have to fear the king. They stood on principles. There needs to be principles in our life, which is the word of God that we stand on, that we hold on to, that we love, and that we cherish. And so they were moved to follow God's commandment, not the king's commandment. All they cared about was God. And lastly, maybe it could have been the preparation of his parents. Turn over to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 and verse 25. Acts 7 verse 25 says, For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. So, did Moses understand the fact that he would be the deliverer? Had his mother ingrained into his subconscious that God had big plans for him? 
We don't know that for it to be a fact. But the preparation of his parents helped him in his future to when he was 40 years old, he decided to do something. My title of my message this morning is Leaving Egypt. Leaving Egypt. Remember, Egypt is a picture of the world for us. There's a lot of these things in the world that entice us. And when I talk about leaving Egypt, I'm talking about leaving the things of this world. And what I'm really focusing on this morning is those of you who are saved this morning. Those of you who have trusted Christ as your personal Savior, asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to cleanse you, to forgive you of your sins, making Him to be the King and the reign of, over your life, ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, and that you know 100% sure that when you die, that someday you will go to heaven. There is no doubt because Jesus Christ has saved you from your sins. If you're not saved this morning, today is the day. You don't know what tomorrow brings forth. You have no clue. So today is the day of salvation. Well, I'm t- I'll, I'll talk more about salvation later on, but I want to talk to you, Christian, about after salvation is leaving Egypt. Turn over to Acts 7, verse 24 in your Bibles. So leaving Egypt is a tough thing for a Christian to do. Because you look at the world and you see all the, the things that it can entice you with, the things that can look appeasing, but there is something different about a Christian who has Jesus Christ to your heart. Leaving Egypt will be obvious after salvation, first of all, by who you defend. Acts chapter 7, verse 24, And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him, that he was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. So verse 23 tells us something came into his heart. And the very next verse says, hey, He saw one of the children of Israel being suffered, being hurt, and he decided to defend him. And he smote the Egyptian, the Bible says. He killed the Egyptian. Now, he went from being the one who afflicted them the Israelites, and now being the one who is now defending them. He is now defending the very people that he once afflicted for the first 40 years of his life because why something came into his heart. So Christian, who are you defending in this world? Are you defending the things of this world? Are you okay with the things of this world? Are you, are you okay with sin? We need to defend the gospel. What's one of the most heavily attacked things today? It's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. You, you would not turn on a TV show, a movie, that is not in some way mocking or slandering the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's everywhere. The name of Jesus is constantly profaned. It's more used in profanity than it is in prayer. It is under attack. Who are you defending? Are you defending our Lord? Are you defending the gospel? Now remember, think about Paul. Think about the life of Paul for just one second. Paul went from uh, somebody who persecuted Christians, who would literally go into the homes and found out if you were testifying Christ, he would go and kill you. That was his job, and that was his goal, and that he was determined to do. But something happened on the road to Damascus that changed his life. Why? Because something came into his heart. And he and Paul changed teams. And Paul is the one that then decided, I'm going to do something for the sake of the gospel. 
I am going to share the gospel. The world is a wicked place. It's very wicked. I don't need to tell you that. I don't need to tell you the wickedness that goes on. Why? Because you see it every single day. I hope it's not a news flash to you. It is reality. There is wickedness. And so we don't need, we don't need to be identifying with the world. We don't need to be de- defending what the world is doing. We need to start living for God and defending the gospel, sharing Jesus Christ's world. Because that's the only hope that this world has is Jesus Christ. So, leaving Egypt, Christian, is going to be obvious by who you defend. Secondly, it's going to be obvious by who you disown. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. This is a very powerful verse. Hebrews 11. Verse 24 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So think about this. He went to be a person to say, I am related, I am associated with Pharaoh. That's enough fear to bring into anybody the fact that you can say that that I am the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But now something happened in his life. He decided to turn to God. And when he did that, he decided now, I am disowning you. I am disowning the things of this world. I do not want to be associated with you. Because of the the torment and because of the sins that you have brought upon my people, the children of Israel. He had to decide now who he is going to disown. Don't identify with the world. Don't be ashamed of God. There's going to be people that we are going to have to disown. There's going to be people that we have to say, I can't participate with you. I can't break bread with you. Why? Because you are bringing shame to my God. There's going to be people we have to disown. It's a hard thing. Let me ask you. If you want to raise your children right, you're going to have to put them away from some people. That some people may just be family. It is not an easy thing to disown other people. It could be friends. It could be your closest friends. But if they're leading you down the wrong path in life, if they're making you go further away from God, then they're going to be somebody that you have to disown. Church, it's going to be friends, it's going to be family that you have to disown for God. And Moses is case in point. He had to disown family. Verse 25, leaving Egypt is going to be obvious by what you decide. Verse 25, first word right here, right off the bat, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses left unlimited resources, the treasures, the wealth of Egypt. Why? Because he wanted to suffer with the people of God. You have to decide for yourself, church, who you're going to choose to live for. Now think about this. Verse 25 tells us, the pleasures of sin for a season. Thirdly, there's going to be things that you have to decide. You're leaving you, it's going to be obvious by what you decide. And lastly, I'm going to spend a lot of time here, what you discontinue. 
what you discontinue, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Is there pleasure in sin? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. The Bible tells us that there is pleasure in sin. If sin wasn't fun, why would the world be participating in it? If fornication was, was not fun, why would people be doing it? If alcohol wasn't fun, why would people be drinking it? If smoking wasn't fun, why would people be smoking? If drugs wasn't fun, why would people be doing drugs? Why? Because there's pleasure in sin. But then this, this next phrase is where it's all about for a season. For a season. Church, that fun that you will have in sin is for a season. It does not last. The person who's an alcoholic has fun when he is drinking, but the second night he goes home and he's beating his wife or he gets into a car accident, it is no longer fun. It goes away. That sin was fun for a season. It never lasts. It does not fulfill you. Why, does, why do people live for the weekend? It's because that's their fun for a season than the miserable Monday to Friday until after work. Why? Because it's only fun for a season. Sin never lasts. Sin takes you farther than you want to go and keeps you longer than you want to stay. Sin always has an effect on you. It does not just affect you. It affects everybody around you. Sin does not last. Sin is no good. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Sin is never worth it. My goodness, sin is never worth it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Sin seemeth right to a man. Sin is appealing. Moses had to decide, I'd rather have affliction with God than the pleasures of sin for a season. If Moses decided he was going to have the pleasures of sin and continue it with the rest of his life, Moses would be burning in hell today, right now, as we speak. He would have had fun for a season. But rather, he decided to have affliction with the people of God than to be to feel the, the pleasures of sin. Verse 26 of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. I'd rather have, church, the blessings of God than the, ble than the pleasures of sin for a season any day. Give me the blessings of God. Give me the glory of God. Give me salvation. Give me serving for God is so much better than serving sin. You cannot have both. Church, you have to decide to say, I am going to be all in for God or all into the world. You have to choose and decide. Maybe there's something in your heart right now, poking your heart, pricking your heart. Something saying, I need to serve God, but I just cannot let go of sin. I cannot serve God 100% because there's things that I'm holding on to. That's my career. That's my job. That's my friends. That's my family. You know what it is. I don't have to tell you. God's speaking to your heart right now. There are things that we're going to have to let go to say, I'd rather serve God. Leaving Egypt 
is the best thing you can do. So why am I telling you this, church? Because after salvation, there's a lot of things that are going to want us to keep us back, right? What happened with the children of Israel while they were on their way to the wilderness? They were remembering all the pleasures of Egypt. Why? The devil was putting back into their hearts that remember the food that you ate in Egypt? Remember the fun you had in Egypt? The devil wasn't reminding him of the slavery, the torture, the, the people who were murdered. The devil was not going to remind you of that. You know what the devil is going to do to you, Christian, after salvation? Hey, remember the fun you had before you were saved? Hey, remember, remember the good times that you had with your friends? Hey, you should go back to that. One, one time is not going to hurt you. Doing it occasionally is not going to be good. Hey, if you go to church on Sunday, it makes up for the sins Monday through Saturday. You're good. The devil puts those thoughts into your hearts. How do I know that? Because he tells me. He tells me. You have to leave Egypt. Let me ask you a question here. Just show of hands. I'm just curious. How many of you can say, I grew up in a Christian home? Raise your hand. You grew up with a mom and a dad who just want not, okay, a little bit half. So there's some of you this morning that said, I did not grow up in a Christian home. And you saw the wickedness of Egypt. You hear my dad talk about his life growing up and my, my grandmother being a Christian and my grandfather being not a Christian, being a mean man, getting saved later on in life. And you hear my dad talk about the, the wickedness that happened with his brothers and with his father and the sin that happened. My dad saw Egypt. My dad knows what the world's like. My dad decided that when he had my brothers, my sister, myself, that I don't want my kids to see Egypt. Brother Dave, did you grow up in a Christian home? Nate is sitting right here. Nate is growing up in a Christian home. Praise the Lord. What Brother Dave's obligation is to Nate, to Hosanna, and to Eli is to make sure that they never experience Egypt. That they never get to see what the wickedness and the heartache that Egypt does to families. How it destroys families. How many homes have been broken up because of alcohol and because of sin. It is terrible, is it not? Brother Dave never wants Nate to see that. Brother Dave wants Nate to see this is what a godly Christian home looks like. This is what happens, Nate, when you serve God. This is the blessings of God. This is what I want to have for you. I know that because I experience it. I see my parents. There may be some of you sitting right here, and you've been in Egypt right before you were saved, and you saw the wickedness, and you actually participated in the wickedness. Don't let the lies of the devil tell you to go back. Leave Egypt. It is not worth it. We want to raise our children. We want the, the future of ourselves to say, you know what? I don't want to experience Egypt. Something that sticks out to me in Hebrews 11, verse 24, says, but by faith Moses, when he was come to years... So church, what does it tell us when it says that he was come to years? We know that he was exactly 40 years old when the it came into his heart. You may be sitting here right now in church and say, you know what, it's too late. I'm already so deep into sin, it's just going to be so tough to get out of it. Uh, you know what, since I'm already here, I'm just going to stay a while. Maybe when I get older, much older, 
Then I'll turn to God, and then I'll give my life to God. Maybe when I have a family someday, that's when I'll turn to God. The moment's now. When he was come to you, what did it tell us? That God is not in a hurry with you. It's in his timing. So right now, church, is the day that you can say, you know what? I want to get out of Egypt. Now, when I talked about earlier about salvation, church, if you're not saved this morning, today is the day to get saved. There is no other better decision in your life than to trust Jesus Christ into your heart. To have the power, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost within you. There is nothing better. Best day that ever happened in my life, the day I got saved. Doesn't compare. Because I know, and some of you know my testimony and who I was as a teenager, how I would live for the world, and I was a very bad teenager. Had there had to come a point in my life where I had to say, you know what, I am going to now live for God. There's a lot of things that I had, I had to go away from. Leaving Egypt wasn't easy. There were friends I had to stop hanging out with. There was music I had to stop listening to. There were certain sins I had to, had to stop participating in. There were certain things I had to stop watching. Why? Because leaving Egypt brought me to misery. And I was never happy. Never fulfilled. Something had to come into my heart and to change my life and to do, and to do a 360. And that was salvation. That was giving my life to God. I'm a totally different person from the person I was when I was a teenager to who I am today. Night and day. Some of you know that because you were here for it. Right? I've been here my whole life. The blessings of God are amazing church and for those of you who are not saved i'm telling you you are missing out the pleasures of sin is only for a season the blessings of god is so much better the fact that i get to sit here and do church with my beautiful wife is nothing better doesn't compare i either do nothing else the blessings of god are so much better than the, than the pleasures of sin for a season so church leave egypt leave egypt Leave the world. Leave the things of the world behind and decide to live for God today. Live for God today. So leaving Egypt is going to be obvious by who you defend, by who you disown, by what you decide, and by what you discontinue. Church, there's a generation coming that needs to know that there are the people who have left Egypt. If the young boys and girls come and they look, they look at you, church, as you are still living in Egypt and living a double life, then what hope does that give them? They need to see you leave Egypt. They need to see you live for God. It's the best thing you'll ever do. So church, decide to have the blessings of God and the pleasures of sin for a season. It only lasts for so long. It only lasts for so long. It does not satisfy. It does not fulfill but Jesus Christ does. And he is real. And he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to change your life today. But we have to be open to it. Church, where there needs to be a revival. There needs to be a generation of a church to say, I want to do something great for God. That we don't grow content with where we are with the current level of spirituality. That we want to do more for God. Today is the day, church. Today, live for God. Today, leave Egypt. Today, Decide to rather have the afflictions of God than the pleasures of sin. Today is the day. Leaving Egypt. You know where you are in your life. You know the sins that you're participating in. I know the sins I'm participating in. I know where I'm at. It's not where I should be. 
I can't, I can't stand up here t- to this morning and tell you I'm perfect. I can't stand up here and tell you that I have not forsook everything. You know, I still struggle. There's still things I deal with that I have to ask God daily for help with. You know, there's still, like Paul said, right, the thorn in my flesh. Everybody has it. So church, don't grow discouraged. Stop believing the lies of the devil that that's just who you are. That that's just going to be you. The devil put many lies into you. Don't believe them. Hate the devil. I hate the devil. I hate Satan. You should too. Don't listen to him. Listen to God. What does the Bible tell you? His mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that he shall save you from your sins. Trust the Lord with all thy heart. Lean on to thy understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He is a light into our path. Follow God. Follow God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, I know this is a heavy topic, even a tough one to preach, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just help us in leaving Egypt. Lord, it is a hard thing, Father. But, Lord, I know that you're, up, you're with us, and you want us, Lord, and we can claim the victory through you, God. Lord, I thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the fellowship that we have here with other brothers and sisters, Lord, and help, now help us draw close to you. Lord, help us, Lord. I pray that Lord, somebody's here, Lord. They don't know you as their Savior, and today will be the day that they get saved. That they know 100% sure when they die that they can go to heaven. I pray that today's the day. Or if somebody's here, Lord, and has not given themselves 100% to you, has not committed to you, God, has still holding on to things that's still halfway in Egypt, I pray that today will be the day that they get delivered, that they will step out of Egypt into the promised land. Or help our church, Lord. Help us to grow spiritually more than anything else, Lord.